0: Hello and welcome to Ocean Love. I'm your host Cassia Elizabeth Jayani, and Ocean Love is where we share our love for our collective ocean and platform Ocean Champions, taking action around the world who inspire us to do what we can in our own spaces. And today's conversation is with an incredible woman, Julia Kumari Drapkin, the founder of a platform called I See Change, and I really was so, so inspired by this conversation with her. She took the time to have this conversation with us in the midst of actually dealing with a climate disaster, evacuating her parents from an impending hurricane. And her platform is all about climate reporting, how each of us in our spaces can share our local needs, what we're seeing, to validate those experiences and what we are witnessing, and to actually funnel that into avenues and channels that can take action, directly communicate with the city, impact infrastructure, city adaptation plans. So I really left this conversation feeling so empowered by what I can do that my witnessing and experiences have value and that I can serve and act as a neighbor to those around me as we can build these resilient communities around the world. So I found this really inspiring and I hope that you will too. Well, to, to kick ourselves off here, first of all, Julia, I'd love for you to take some time to introduce who you are and anything you want to share about your ocean love in the theme of this series.
1: Sure. So I'm Julia kumari Drapkin. I'm the CEO and founder of I See Change. So I See Change is an engagement and data platform to help cities combat climate change. And I um, am certainly a big fan of ocean love in the sense that I certainly appreciate and and love the ocean. I grew up on a barrier island on the coast of Florida. And um, so, you know, I woke up every day and, and smelled the ocean. It's a smell I miss, it's a sight I miss. And, you know, oceans are critical when it comes to the climate crisis in terms of you know being impacted by the climate crisis, but also in terms of solving for the climate crisis. So it's a great pleasure to be with you.
0: Yeah, thank you for being here. And actually, on that note, my next question is if, if there's any moment you want to share from earlier in your life, from childhood, that you first witnessed or experienced climate change that, that may have set you on this path?
1: Sure. Well, I grew up sailing in the Gulf Coast. And so early on, I was trained to pay attention to signals, whether it's winds or currents or mm. what fishes were you know, hanging out, red tides. Um, those were all part of normal daily kind of life uh, growing up on the coast. My first experience with what might be characterized as a climate change experience was uh, during the no-name storm in 1992 or 3. Don't quote me on that. I have to go look it up in Wikipedia. Because icy change didn't exist back then where you could track your climate impacts. But I certainly remember distinctly waking up in the middle of the night uh, with the Gulf of Mexico in our living room. Uh, It was a no-name storm, so there was no warning. We just had a lot of water, uh, and we were rescued by the National Guard. Uh, That was just part of being... In coastal Florida, um, storms happen. The nature, frequency, and intensity, of course, of those storms um, is increasing at a steady beat. And I didn't really focus on climate change specifically until much later in life when I was a journalist covering the Asian tsunami and then Hurricane mm. Katrina, in which a lot of the same problems are manifest in those extreme events, mm. um, but they're also happening on the regular every day, which is that um, you know our climate impacts are happening at an incredible rate. And our top-down, well-intentioned solutions from whether it's our local government, our states, our countries are not keeping pace with local needs. And that's mm-hmm. largely because of a structural disconnect Mm-hmm. I on the ground, I'm going to see something faster and know what I need much faster than than a, than a, the response is able to keep pace with. So part of IC change's genesis as was when I was a journalist, seeing this disconnect mm-hmm. of again these these top down ideas being very well intentioned but missing mm-hmm. local needs, and so creating more alignment, a bottom up top down conversation was very much the genesis of IC change.
0: Yeah, thank you so much for sharing that. And also sharing why I C see changes is really your gift to offer with that background and experience and focusing on on the reporting aspect, also the gaps that that exist. Um, well, with that, could you just share a bit more about the platform and how how it functions? And I know we've been alluding to it. But um, yeah, anything that you'd want to share about how it works? And maybe anything you're excited about that that's happening right now?
1: Absolutely. Well again, it's not my gift as much as it is collective wisdom. We've just created a a mechanism for collective wisdom and specifically technical data to be uh, collected and then used by cities and engineers and utilities. Mm. These are the entities that are responsible for our public spaces and our public infrastructure and who actually can do things about the issues that are being flagged by residents every day. Yeah. So uh, again, we are uh, leveraging resident-generated stories and photos and data. You can think of IC Change like um, a super-powered Instagram for climate. Mm-hmm. Except instead of monetizing your time on our on on platform to sell yeah. you ads, we yeah. are syncing your stories and your photos and your data to up to 50 and even more data points around your location, Mm. uh, aggregating it with other people who are reporting near you and packaging the data for cities and utilities and counties and and engineering firms um, to use. Mm. So IC Change is the flood reporting tool for the city of Miami.
0: Yeah, amazing.
1: And we have been used in flood infrastructure projects around the country on climate adaptation planning um, projects and planning efforts. We are, to date, have generated over $25 million in stormwater infrastructure investments in low-income neighborhoods, Mm. largely because the modeling is misrepresenting risk. It's not the model's fault. A model, whether it's a heat model or a flood model or a carbon model or an energy model, pollution model, is you know, doing its best to give you a general idea of where problems are and what to expect, Mm -hmm. but they by design can't be as accurate on a block by block intersectional level. There's too many multivariate ways for that model to be wrong. And it is often more often than not. So being able to create this data that is again, meeting our best guesses with real experiences and being able to provide much better infrastructure designs, much faster infrastructure response. So we're being used to flag storm drains, we're being used for for flooding events, we're being used for tracking extreme heat, we're being used to track heat inside people's homes here in New Orleans. We're putting Icy change in with sensors that are tracking indoor urban heat waves. We are, oh boy, we're doing um, sensors and working with transit riders and bus wow. riders in Miami-Dade County. We are doing flooding, heat, and pollution from 34 municipalities in Miami-Dade County. Um, and and we're starting in California. Mm. Now I see is being used all around the globe by people who just want to track their everyday experiences with climate change. And that is amazing. And it, it gives me so much joy to see those folks and it is incredible their their own climate encyclopedias you can see the history of a location based on these individuals and we love them very much we want that data to be used yeah so the way we do that is we actually sell the software to cities Mm. um, and local governments to deploy at scale for their community and when you get that aggregated data all together that's when we start to see millions of dollars of infrastructure change Mm -hmm. we see plans Change. We see uh, investments being made. We're being used in emergency response, and mm-hmm. um, we're able to provide a new channel for cities to talk to their residents. So right now, we only have two major ways that we talk to our cities, and they're terrible. Mm-hmm. One is three one one, which mm-hmm. is you yeah. call that number for service request, and that's in the United States. Right. The other is nine one one, which you call for emergency rescue. Mm. And everything in the middle is uncovered. Like that yeah. includes things about you know, for the ocean lovers, so to speak, things that are washing yeah. up on the beaches, um, you know, that you've never seen before that might be indicative of a marine heat wave mm. or a local pollution event. Um, marine algae, you know, um, algae yeah. blooms that are, um, uh, suddenly, you know, coming on shore, um, being able to track the location, the intensity, um, IC change is, tracking location based on latitude and longitude, not addresses. Mm-hmm. So if you're a boater and you're out there or a paddleboarder, or a surfer, you can use IC change. Oh, great. Um, yeah. and we are open arms collaborators. So, um, we'd love to see, you know, different communities using IC change, um, and being able to collect their data in a singular place, sync it to other forms of data and then package that in ways that can help communities make their case. It floods more here than you think it does. Here's the evidence. Right. Um, we need a, you know, rain gardens over here because these vacant lots are causing blight and rodents and crime, and that rain mm-hmm. garden will then prevent pollutants from going into the local waterways and therefore the ocean. Um, we want, um, you know, better protection, um, and we're seeing much more erosion on this side of this beach and. Again, that, that microdata can be deployed at scale, collected at scale, uh, it can be real time. And we are most useful in areas that um, you know, have multiple jurisdictions. Um, mm-hmm. So example, watersheds. A watershed is governed by multiple authorities. Not, they're not sharing the same data. Mm. Their planning is really challenged by this fact that they have multiple jurisdictions managing the same area, so they all need to be aligned to what the focus is. Mm. And we're seeing that increasingly as we get into what we call the mega-projects here in the United States, wherein the Army Corps of Engineers is going to be Mm, building huge flood stormwater infrastructure um, projects on our coasts. Mm -hmm. And there are going to be impacts from that, um, good and bad. And we need to have conversations that are really and truly engaging the public, keeping track of the public's um, data as it yeah. relates to those projects, and being mindful that those timelines are decades long. Yeah. So you know you can have a, a you know a kid <laughs> using icy change right now who's a surfer who loves the ocean, and ten years later that data might be really really important wow. for a major infrastructure yeah. project that's going to change the line, the the coastline or currents. Or, or the way we um, deploy nature-based solutions. Mm-hmm. Um, so every bit of data matters, um, and it matters just the way that you want to plant a tree. The best time to plant a tree was 10 years ago. Right. The best time to be using IC change was 10 years ago. Um, so as many IC changers using IC change now helps create that critical data and evidence that we might need um, in the years to come, if not right now.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. Wow. Well, thank you for such a comprehensive overview of the platform and everything that um, that it can offer. And I think I'm so happy that you you focused on the implications for infrastructure. Um, It's so incredible with this partnership with the city of Miami that anyone posting that information is going directly to city officials to be acted upon. And I mean, that's such an empowering channel and conduit um, to have access to And, and to your point. Beyond 311 and 911, the other ways we can communicate is through voting, but that's way delayed and not specific in terms of, um, you know, what we're asking for or needing. And so to have that that real time, and as you said, place based, you know, based on local needs, um, communication is so is so critical. Uh, and even though there are similar challenges around the world, they'll all be so so different, even neighborhood to neighborhood, and what the solutions might look like. So. Um, yeah, that's, that's really incredible. And I'm glad to hear it's global so everyone can start sharing and thinking before, you know, even though it's not yet connected in, into all of the cities. Um, but yeah, that's really, that's really fantastic.
1: We love our local, our global local connections too. I think that's really critical is that not only are we changing the paradigm in which the public is managing infrastructure yeah, as in for the last maybe 30, 40 years, we really expected infrastructure to come and be managed and be responsibly handled by a central governing authority versus the public who used to be much more engaged in maintaining and managing infrastructure. Indigenous people certainly know that. Um, Mm -hmm. Early settlers of the United States were... Directly managing, designing, and and monitoring, and, and maintaining infrastructure, mm. paying for it publicly, literally crowdsourcing some infrastructure projects, wow. and we've lost that. Um, the word used to be called public works, and right. the word public works was what we used to call infrastructure until about the seventies when Spiro Agnew was um, uh, being investigated for for you know pork belly pork barrel projects in Maryland. Mm. So the idea of public works became kind of a, you know, became a bastardized term, frankly. Mm. It was equivalent of corruption. I see. And so they started using the word infrastructure. And you can see that in the Google kind of analysis of, of when the word infrastructure started to be popular. Mm. And that was actually taking the public away from what used to be much more of a stewardship act. Mm. I think other communities around the world are much be more aligned sometimes when it comes to stewarding public resources or stewarding our places that we love the most. Yeah. Um, we need to do that at scale in order to manage our climate crisis. Mm-hmm. That means protecting our neighbors. If you have yeah. a culture of neighbors, that is actually one of the most critical things, especially mm-hmm. in our coasts, mm-hmm. um, especially in wildfire communities, mm-hmm. um, especially where there are kind of these existential threats. Where your neighbor is your first responder. Yeah. So if in communities that where you don't know your neighbors by name, those are the communities we worry about. Yeah. Um, and I think that that changes and varies wildly globally. But when you see global solutions being shared on IC Change, and people like dialoguing about it, it's actually the greatest thing in the world. Um, so we're kind of creating a global culture of neighbors when it comes to climate change. So Yay. when we see problems in this community, we're like, "Oh, I see that too." But oh, hey, yeah. stay safe. Yeah. Um, but also, hey, this is how we're solving it. Could this work for you? Mm-hmm. And that is what we really are wanting to cultivate on I See Change. And of course, we'd love the Ocean Love community. You know, if you've got great ocean solutions that you're excited to see, uh, things that people are trying, whether it's, even if it's a beach cleanup, something as simple as picking up trash mm-hmm. is a big deal. Um, you know, uh, different aquaculture kind of approaches, um, different ways of managing risk and also um, cultivating solutions. We want to see them
0: yeah well that's that's incredibly beautiful and i love that you mentioned this concept of creating a global community of neighbors looking out for each other and just the reality that our neighbors are truly our first responders. And one of the other issues our society is facing is that isolation disconnection. And it's all it's all it's all related. Of course, it's the same as our breaking our relationship with the environment. Um, and so I love that this can be healing on, on both fronts. And it's very in theme with ocean love as we celebrate that there's one ocean, one love, we're all connected, our actions all impact each other. And so can our solutions. Um, so yeah, so thank you so much for that, Julia. And is there anything else you want to share maybe about things that are coming up for IC Change or, um, yeah, any, any new developments?
1: Um, we just launched, um, we're launching in Miami-Dade County, again, mm. um, 34 municipalities, uh, really excited about that. Um, we're launching new AI capacity on IC Change, so we'll be able to help our, our cities and our counties and our utilities be able to scan mm. photos and prioritize response. Mm-hmm. Um, we've launched pollution uh, as a t- new tag on IC Change. Yeah, so people yeah. were using IC Change to track pollution. We were like, okay, we need to do this, but we have a very specific plan on doing it. So pollution, of course, is very complicated. It could be in the water, it can be on land, it can be in the air. So mm-hmm. um, it is um, you know, something that we are really excited about. Um, what else is happening on IC Change? Uh, um, our heat studies are wrapping up. Um, it, heat persists for sure, but we're really mm-hmm. excited to look and see how indoor urban heat is impacting residents in New Orleans. And then we are launching in California. Um, so we have um, the California climate stewards are using IC Change as their go-to platform, wow. and they're going to be using IC Change to track wildfire risk and mm-hmm. uh, welfare mitigation strategies. Mm-hmm. Um, That's the top of mind. Of course, there's a billion things that I've probably forgotten because uh, I see change is growing and we're really um, meeting the needs, frankly, as best we can. Um, There's there's a lot to do.
0: As we wrap, if there's anything you want to share uh, about your thoughts and feelings of the future, both from an optimism and hope perspective, but also just a a real perspective, um, concerns and yeah, anything you want to share um, about your personal outlook to the future, too.
1: Um, no, it's just an open invitation to ocean lovers, um, surfers, paddleboarders, uh, boaters, fishers, divers, uh, y'all have a frontline seat to Mm -hmm. watching our environment and your data is so critically missing in this conversation, Mm -hmm. whether it's around how to protect our coast, how to protect our reefs, how might we do better at preventing trash from landing in our our waterways Uh, you know which one of the water outlet outputs uh outfall canals or out area out you know comes into the ocean comes into the canals comes into the bay uh, where you live and we'd love to see that Um, that's really critical stuff that we're gathering for uh, communities in south florida california it matters for your community. And we'd happily host your data and, and be you know there to, to keep it for you and for you to just take your profile and just share it to that local leader at that local meeting. Mm-hmm. If You've never been to a local meeting mm-hmm. and you care about this stuff. There are meetings happening, I promise you, everywhere <laughs> on some level to do something about our, our climate risk and our climate solutions. And so that is one of the best ways to be involved. Um, It's not just about voting on November 4th. Um, Democracy doesn't end and begin on that day. It's an important day, don't get me wrong. But just in the way that we're kind of bringing the public back to public infrastructure, public decision-making is happening all the time. We are a great asset for you in those conversations because when you go to that meeting and you're like, hey, the pollution is happening on the north side of the bay and we need to focus our efforts over there, No one's going to believe you unless you have evidence. Hmm. And when you march in with evidence, a hyperlink to IC change, um, a data download, Hmm. if you're better yet, your city is subscribed to IC change and they can see it in real time, Um, that's the evidence. And there's no one going to argue with you about that. They Hmm. may actually just provide context. um, And that's when learning really happens. You know, our leaders are really strained when it comes to resources, what they can and cannot do. And frankly, most people in the world, let alone the United States, have never actually had a proper formal climate change education. On average, less than two hours a year for folks who are 20 and younger. Mm -hmm. And if you're 20 and older, you never had a formal climate change education in the United States. So we're all learning. Mm-hmm. Our local leaders are learning alongside us often. Mm-hmm. And so being empathetic to that learning process, the resources that are available, and it, it really matters to give each other time to, to listen. Yeah. Um, so we do see that as a really critical part of this process, which is painful <laughs> sometimes yeah. to get things done. Um, but it's so important for y'all to get involved. And we're happy to be a conduit for that. Um, I do this in my own community, um, with my kid, I bring him to public meetings. Um, and, uh, and that is a way that he is learning how to, um, be a good 21st century citizen and not to fear what's coming at them. Kids need to know that they can do something. Yes. And if they do, then they're not going to be afraid of climate change.
0: Thank you so much, Julia. And thank you for everything you've shared. Absolutely.
1: Thank you so much.
0: Thank you, ocean lovers, for tuning in and a huge shout out to our supporters and sponsors. Deep gratitude to CRDC, the Center for Regenerative Design and Collaboration, and their innovative approach to taking truly intersectional action, addressing both social and environmental challenges. They are tackling plastic and waste issues, while also offering solutions for affordable housing and reenvisioning the built environment. The work that they are doing is truly based within a local context and taking place-based action. Uh, Check them out at crdc.global. Another gratitude to Anthropogenic, an amazing platform that's offering real-time monitoring and verification of climate financing. Did you know that some climate financing is actually going to support projects that create more carbon emissions? Anthropogenic is cutting through that to make sure that it's honest and effective and trustworthy. And you can learn more at anthropogenic.com. And finally, gratitude to our NGO sponsor, Yes. They support outstanding leaders around the world through powerful networking, skills sharing, and community building events. You can find out more at yesworld.org.